security movement, but whatever. This way. So we're not covering the fence. Oh, you might want to do that, brother. <laughs> <laughs> no way. It's a pretty big head. <laughs> Welcome back to the Chip Lunch Podcast. Uh, it is excellent to have you along with us, whether you are listening to us on your favourite podcast app or on uh, watching us on YouTube. And I'm here on my own as a host, but I'm not here alone on the actual podcast because I have Marty Simons joining me. How are you, my friend? I am well, thank you, sir. Thank you very much for joining us on this Thank you for inviting it's me. It's auspicious day. You were telling you told me before that you listened to almost all of our podcasts that Soul Revival are doing. So uh, yes, uh, long term subscriber, first time <laughs> interviewer, <laughs> being interviewed. So uh, yeah, I've listened to all uh, all of the uh, podcasts. It's been good in the earlier stages, listening to the history of Soul Revival, and um, you know, right back from Gaimi days mm. to now, and uh, to to the present. Um, well, the last one about what happened to evangelism. And yeah, that was, that, last that was season, a great yeah. season. That was really Yeah, really I mean, I learned heaps yeah, yeah. doing that season yeah, as well. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Um, going through the history of evangelism and, mm. and then where we were at today was, was really interesting. Yeah, yeah it was. It was and uh, I think, I, yeah, like I said, I learned a lot. And um, I think I am more, feel more equipped to share my faith after doing that, that season of the Shock of Zorba. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, that was cool. Um, you're wearing a, a, a different kind of jacket that's usually around these areas. It's a South Sydney Rabbitohs jacket. Yes. Where, yes. Does, where does that come from, being the, a, a Rabbitohs supporter? Rabbitohs supporter? Well, it's kind of, you know, like most supporters, it's in the family. So yeah. my my parents were South supporters, my uncles were South supporters, and it's just a generational thing. Yeah. I was actually born in Marrickville, which okay. is like the middle of South country. So, um, yeah. Just them. Just bleed red and green. Is Ma- so Mary- <laughs> <laughs> Marrickville is South Sydney? Is that considered South Sydney? Yeah, yeah. Is yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't. I hadn't thought of that. Oh, I suppose it read like, because they used to be, they used, were they at Redfern Oval? They yeah. are at Redfern Oval. Yeah, yeah that's, that's where that's they train it. and that's stuff. That's where they train, yeah. Right, and that's reasonably close to Marrickville. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. We had um, Amy Jamison on the last episode, and she is the son, it's the son, she's the daughter of Bob Sheens, who is... Oh. Uh, Bob Sheens is related to Tim Sheens, yes. the regular NRL coach. So yes. I was, I, I didn't know that until the podcast. So I did not know that until that, just right. We're then. just dropping knowledge everywhere <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> 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 let's let's start the start the actual podcast. Get into it. Um, okay. We uh, always ask the the first question. We always ask is on chip lunches. Mm-hmm. How do you like to eat your hot chips, Marty? I don't like it smothered in gravy, Ooh, but I okay. like it. I like a bit of gravy on the side so that you can uh, dip the hot chip into the gravy. The gravy, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. not like a tomato or barbecue sauce. Gravy. No, I don't <laughs> mind it with tomato sauce. I suppose that was the original um, go-to sauce when you had chips growing up. Um, but then I was introduced to the gravy, and um, yeah, just a, a gravy a so- pot a on the side, of, yeah. and a side of gravy, and mm. you might pour a little bit on it, but. Yeah, it's good. I can't. I, really, I struggle with gravy. I don't yeah, think okay. it's not my favorite thing. But okay, is there a particular place that you like to get your chips from, or, is, or a, a, a place that you've got a lot of memories from, even <laughs> when you're a kid? <laughs> All right, mate. When I was a kid, the the best chips. We're going a long way back now. Love it. 
was at Balgownie. There was a fish and chip shop in Balgownie down at Wollongong. Uh, and they were owned by a Greek family and they they wrapped their chips old school. So it was in the newspaper. Mm, right. And uh, the flavour, the flavour of chips were different back then because the ink of the... <laughs> <laughs> the paper would permeate the chips a bit and so you get this bit of a different flavour uh, to the chip as opposed to today but um, no they, they were the best uh, salt not chicken salt salt yes and yes. Uh, yeah not a fan of the yeah, chicken salt me either no, yeah. no. salt um, was that my grandparents so they liked a bit of vinegar mm. you know but um, yeah back then it was the the old dead horse sauce and uh, <laughs> what's so a dead? What is dead horse sauce? <laughs> Tomato sauce. Oh, okay. It's blood. Oh, it's like one of dead those yeah. sauce. <laughs> so, it's just one of those old. <laughs> That's so right, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll that's come like, out with stuff like that. Well, but that's all those random Australian sayings, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make like a, is that yeah. make like a tree and leave leave yeah. yeah and all those ones anyway. Yeah. Uh, second question. Yep. is how did you become a Christian? Um, that's a really good question. I, 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 that's something I've actually contemplated on for quite a while because mm. I actually thought, I think I became a Christian as a teenager um, over in Perth, Western Australia. Mm. I was part of a, quite a large youth group uh, over there and... Um, I remember giving my life to Jesus, um, but at the same time, my life wasn't reflecting that confession of faith, yep. you know? Uh, so that's why I say I'm not 100% sure. Um, and then, um, so that was back in 1986. Uh, and then... That was the year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all right. <laughs> that makes me old too. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and then um, uh, in 1988, I moved up to the Kimberley. Mm. And I, I was, as I said, I was at this really thriving uh, youth group in Western Australia in Perth. <clears throat> and when I moved up to the Kimberley to go live with my parents, I got an apprenticeship at the hospital uh, as a carpenter. Um the church there didn't have any youth, yep. no kids or anything. And so the people that I associated with were the other apprentices my age and none of them went to church and then none of the guys in the maintenance department went to church. Uh, and so just, you know, it wasn't through I'm no longer believing in God or want anything to do with the church or anything like that anymore. It was just one of those things where the world sneaks up on you and all of a sudden you're not going to church if you know two or three weeks yep. and then you're not going at all and then you're just swept away with with life and um so i lived uh, a life that wasn't pleasing to the lord let's put it that way mm. um for a number of years about six six years almost seven years uh and then uh, 1994, the 1st of April, which I love God's sense of humor, <laughs> April Fool's Day. Uh, and it was actually a Good Friday. 
1994. And uh, that night, I was living in Kununurra, um, which is where Jim and Nat Watson live now. I don't know if you know those guys from Guymere. I remember that name from Guymere, England. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Kununurra only had two TV stations. One of them was ABC and one of them was Golden West Network. Oh. And there was nothing on the ABC at the time from memory. Uh, but on GWN was the old Charlton Heston movie, Ten Commandments. Okay. I don't know if you have you ever seen that. No, I haven't seen it, no. Yeah, no. mate. It's good. It's a must see. Okay. Oh. A, <laughs> Are they streaming that or what? <laughs> <laughs> they could they do should actually. be somewhere. I'll, I'll have a look. <laughs> it's on every year around Christmas and Easter. Oh, is it? They okay. put it on. Anyway, good old Charlton Heston. Yeah. Uh Anyway, so the pubs weren't open which because it was Good Friday. Mm. There was no parties going on, which was unusual for Kununurra. <laughs> and um, so I just said, decided to stay home and watch the movie. At the end of the movie, um, I went to bed and I was really troubled um, in myself. And I, couldn't, I just couldn't sleep. Mm. I had everything going on from the movie going on in my head. <clears throat> and I started thinking about my own life. And I, I know that this is probably not a normal situation, but God was talking to me, not in an audible voice, but it seemed like an audible voice, like you and I are talking now. Mm. And he said to me, right, Marty, it's time for you to come back. And I, I said, well, I'm not ready to come back. I don't want to come back. I'm I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. I was having fun with my friends and uh, enjoying just enjoying what the world had to offer. You know what I mean? And um, and God said, "Well, <clears throat> let's have a look at what you've done with yourself." And he, he said, "What have you What have you done? You've had the reins. I've given you the reins to your life. What have you done with it?" And I look back and I, and I hadn't done anything. It was just all about uh, indulging uh, the joys of life, the drinking and partying and, and the things that go on with that. And, um, and then he said, okay. And he actually opened up my mind and showed me the times where I should have been dead and he saved my life. So, um, you know, an OD, um, a, a time where I fell asleep at the wheel of the car and uh, was heading off the side of the road about to go down a cliff but woke me up and was able to get out of that miraculously uh and and just another a number of other situations where i shouldn't be sitting with you today and um so we wrestled for a while it was like a i i, I it was about my jacob moment but thankfully didn't touch my hip <laughs> <laughs> but um I couldn't argue. There was nothing else to argue. and um, Like you'd ran out of arguments. I, r I ran out of arguments, yeah. yeah. I, I just, there was no no other reason to, 
So I gave my life to Jesus that night. I, um, yeah, fell asleep after that. And then went 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 outside, and I was living with I was still living with my parents at the time. And I went out into the kitchen, and they were both standing there, which was not normal. But <clears throat> normally they're doing things, and that time of the day. But they were both in there, and they looked at me, and both of them said, uh, "What's wrong? You're all right?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm fine." They said, "No, what's wrong? You, there's something different about you." I said, "Yeah, there is something different about me." <laughs> And they said, well, what's happened? And I said, well, I gave my life to Jesus last night. And, um, yeah, they just uh, broke into tears and I broke into tears and mm. we had that loving, it was just a loving moment. Um, and I haven't looked back since. Mm. You know, in saying that, I had to leave Kununurra to be able to uh, continue to move forward and grow um, because of who I was and the reputation and the the friends that I had there. It was just a place I, I couldn't stay in. It was The church was really, really small. There was no one to support me or anything like that. Um, so I had to get out. Right. So at the end of, end of 94, 95... Uh, I, I I left Kanara. Mm. Yeah. Um. First of all, what a great way to start the podcast. <laughs> great, <laughs> great story. Um. Do you mind if I just rewind a little bit? So you were in you you were born in Perth. No. Okay. No, I, I was born in Marrickville. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. You did say that, by the way. Sorry. I did. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> But I was only there for six months. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's a bit more complicated than that. Um, then we moved back down to Wollongong. Wollongong is where my parents grew up, and I've and my grand both my grandparents, both sides when they were alive, were down there, and mm. I've still got family down there. So <clears throat> we grew up. I went. We moved back there. My dad was not a Christian at the time, mm. so that's. That's a bit. In, that's interesting. Um, so I grew up with a lot of violence in my family, right. and um, uh, my myself mainly, and my brother under me. So I'm one of five boys, mm. uh, and the two of us were the ones that received the most of the violence, and particularly myself. Um, and I remember it wasn't until I was about nine that Dad became a Christian. And um, and then we moved up to North Curl Curl where he went to Church Army College, uh, which is like a... It's, it was an evangelistic college. It was run by the Anglican Church, but it was over at Belmore. <clears throat> so we were living over that way for a couple of years. Um, the violence still hadn't left Dad then. That took a while for, for it, that to to leave him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was hard to, and, and I, I suppose that was one of the things that was really hard to 
try and understand was dad calling himself a Christian and acting like a Christian at home, at church and at college, but then beating on us at home. And I just, I couldn't marry the two together. And I understand now on on one level, I understand because it's some, some things are really so deeply uh, seated within us the changes don't happen overnight. Yeah. And um, especially if his father and his father was violent, or I was on the receiving end of his father as well, on both both my grandfathers, uh, as well as my dad. So he knew violence, uh, and that's how he was disciplined. Mm. And so when came to me that's all he knew and so that's how we disciplined myself and my other brother with violence um but it's interesting that all of us the five of us made a collective decision to break that cycle Mm -hmm. the cycle of violence within our own families so none of us have ever used violence when it comes to disciplining <clears throat> our kids because we just know the destructiveness that it had on our lives, you know, and um, we just didn't want that for our kids and we didn't want that for ourselves. And um, Are you brothers and, brothers and sisters Christian? No. Mm. No. I've got no sisters. So it's four oh, brothers. Four brothers. <clears throat> yeah, none of them are Christian. Mm. <clears throat> and again, you know, I don't, you don't like speaking ill. And my dad died two years ago, but of cancer. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that what he was like leaves an imprint. Uh, absolutely, it yeah. does. In more, more than one, more than yeah, that's right. One and way. so you know, my my brothers aren't Christians because of that. Yeah. Sadly, they told him as well. Uh, that which they were hard conversations um, before he died. They told him, um, so I don't know. I'm not. I don't know how he took that. Uh, Dad was pretty stoic like that. He wasn't. He didn't really show a lot of emotion and things like that. And yeah. and I suppose that was that's been instilled on on probably more myself than the rest of my brothers. But um, that's where Jesus is ever since I've been a Christian, been continually changing, moulding, transforming, bringing down barriers, breaking cycles, yeah. uh, transforming hearts and uh, and minds, mm. which has been great. Uh, it's been nearly, what did I say, 1994, so what would be 28 years now, a Christian. Uh Still a lot of work to be done, yeah. brother. <laughs> same, same, same here. Still a lot of work yeah, to yeah. be done. Yeah, um, you know, until eternity. Yeah, yeah always be be work on. You're saying that, like you went, you lived in quite a few different places. Yeah. Well, so you were jumping around a fair bit. What yeah. was that from? Was that um, your parents with different jobs, or it's just so after. After Dad became uh, graduated from Church Army, he joined up with BCA. I don't know if you've heard of BCA, Bush Church Aid Society. Okay, uh, it's an Anglican mission organisation within Australia, 
it mainly uh, supports outback ministry. So we actually went to Central Queensland um, when 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 he finished college uh, to a, a town, a mining town called Middlemount. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> It was a brand new town. It was, it was, it was really interesting to be in a, a in a brand new town. Every all the, all the shops, the police station, everything was Atco. I don't know if you know those Atco buildings, the white building site buildings. You know they got the white walls with a yellow bit around the top. Uh, you don't know an Atco. No, no, oh, anyway. A site building. <coughs> okay. Anyway, they call them dongers, actually. Atco <laughs> <Okay. laughs> dongers. Uh, so they were everywhere. They, the town was just like that. It was just all these Atco dongers everywhere, and mm. they were building houses and um, and all these things. Uh, it was an interesting place because every time something was opened, oh, good old Joby Olkey Peterson, which is before your time. Mm. Uh, the Premier of Queensland at the time, he'd come and he'd open up the building or the pool or wherever. Mm. And um, and the school had to go along and attend and listen to old Joe banging on about whatever he was talking about. And, um, and at the end, he'd say, right, the kids have had to endure me speaking for however long they can have tomorrow off from school. <laughs> And all the, all the kids are going, yes! And all the teachers are going, yes! And so every time we found out Joe was coming to town, we knew the next day we day would get the day off. So, so that was really good. That uh, was where I also met uh, Prince, the Duke of Edinburgh oh. uh, in Middlemount. Who's uh, the Duke of Edinburgh? Is that the Queen's husband? Husband. Prince Philip. Yeah, yeah, I was got. I got to. I had to yeah, remember Prince Philip. Was, yeah, Prince Philip. Yeah, Prince Philip. I got to meet him. <clears throat> He's. Um, I was a scout in Middlemount, mm. and uh, we were part of his. I don't know, guard of honor type of thing. Yeah, he came to open up a supermarket. It was hilarious. Nice. It's, it was. You know, <laughs> it's kind of. Very royal. <laughs> very, very royal. Very <laughs> regal. <Yeah. laughs> Middle of central Queensland and we've got Prince Philip coming to cut a ribbon He's open like, up the supermarket. Yeah, this is what I came here for. The wife's, I don't know where she is at the time, but <laughs> he's stuck in central Queensland opening up a supermarket. <laughs> anyway, I remember him coming out. He was tall. And he stopped in front of me and he looked down and he shook me hand, put his hand out and he shook me hand and um, he goes, you're doing a good job there, son. And then he <laughs> kept walking and I went, oh, well, here's my brush with royalty That's right nice. there. So yeah. Uh, so, yeah, from Queensland, sorry, from Queensland, we ended up in back in Sydney uh, and we were out at uh, an interesting place, Uh uh, Claymore, right? you know, I've heard of Claymore. No, it's a suburb of Campbelltown. Okay, it was and still is, but I think it's a lot of it's been closed now. It was a hundred percent housing commission, mm-hmm. and Dad was asked to plant a church there. Okay, so we moved into um, housing commission 
accommodation yeah. uh, for about eighteen months, which was while while the the church accommodation was being built, and uh, and that was interesting to say the least. Um, living living in housing commission, um, especially in Claymore, um, you hear the odd gunshot at night time, yeah. and it's just a few things, a few things that you you just wouldn't experience outside of outside of housing commission and um we were there for three years uh, not in not in housing commission but at that church for three years then we ended that's when we ended up in perth after that so we're talking 1985 now 80 yeah ended 85 86 we moved to perth i lived there for two years before we ended up to kimberley mm-hmm. yeah yeah, right. So Kimberley's up in Northern Territory, right? Uh, Northwest Western Australia. Oh, it's in Western Australia. Yeah. Yep. So we moved up to a town called Derby, mm. uh, and that's where that's where Dad was at the church. That was, again, a BCA church. And uh, that's where I did my apprenticeship as a carpenter at the hospital there, mm-hmm. DRH, <clears throat> Derby Regional Hospital. Um, the town's designed to... Uh, support Aboriginal people. Um, it's the population was seventy percent Aboriginal. Mm. It's a government town. Uh, what was at the time? I haven't been back there for a long time. Um, what does a government town mean? Well, it was that was the main employer. Oh, okay. So the hospital, yeah. um, the electricity, the water, the phone is the biggest employer. Was the government? Um, at sick at the time, I, mean, I was up there during Marbo, you know. Um, so it was really interesting mm. seeing all that going on in the town. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was there for four and a half years, and then went to Kununurra and lived there for another two and a half years, and, and that's when I became a Christian in Kununurra. Is East Kimberley? Okay. Or is it in? It's so it's closer to Northern so Territory. Maybe uh, for everyone in Broome. <laughs> yeah. Right. On the map, yep. On the map, Broome, yes. about three hours north on the coast still is Derby, which yep. has got the biggest tides in Australia. It's 12-metre tides. Really? Right. So when the tide goes out, you can look out for miles. There's just no water. <laughs> um, but it comes in so fast, it comes in faster than you can run. So you'd see a number of people drown because they'd right. be out there trying to crab in the mud or whatever. And, and the tide's coming the in. The tide caught them out and they came in. Uh, so there's a few people have drowned during that. <clears throat> you're also taking the risk of crocs and things like that when you're doing that sort of thing. Uh, and then Kununurra's more on the east. It's about, I think it's about 40 k's. I can't remember. About 40 k's on the Northern Territory border. Mm-hmm. Um you've got the bungle bungles and all that in between and all sorts of stuff yeah it's an interesting place so, to visit yeah it's a, so a lot of hopping around moving yeah, around. absolutely how do you think that shaped you uh in good ways and bad ways um in good ways because it's allow me to be flexible uh, it's yeah. allowed me to be able to relate to people on a broader, in a broader way. 
Um, it's given me a lot of life experience. I've seen a lot of things and lived in a lot of places that most or most people wouldn't of. Like my wife, born and bred shy girl, never, you know, wasn't until she her per- first posting as a teacher that she went out to Maureen. But um, but that seems to be the case in the city and especially in the Southern Shire. No one leaves a Shire. You just you just here. And why wouldn't you? I mean, I've been living here for a long time now, and I, I love it. I've got no plans of going anywhere. Yeah, uh, it's the longest place I've ever lived is here. So, um, so yeah, it it's given me a lot of experience. It's helped me in my jobs. Um, it's helped me to relate to people. The hard things, though, mm. uh, the uh, for me, the hardest thing was uh, loss of friendships. Yeah, uh, starting afresh. Uh, you got to remember that all these different schools I was going to, there was no such thing as a national curriculum. So when you go from New South Wales to Queensland, which is a different curriculum, and just different everything and then back to New South Wales and then back to and then across to Perth they were all different curriculums mm. uh, and so moving around a lot did mess up my schooling um, sadly it messed up my schooling a lot um, to the point where I haven't even got a year 10 certificate okay that's how much it's messed up yeah um, yeah it doesn't count now at my age but it is one of the regrets I have is not having my HSC. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things I have. So you left school, like kind of left school around the supposed year 10 mark? Uh, yes, because, but I was also in an experimental school. Oh, okay. So it was the first one of its kind in Australia. Mm-hmm. And um, it was an American school using American curriculum. Okay. You know, so... Um, and it was a self-paced, so it was like homeschooling, but at school. Okay. Right. So homeschooling, you've got your own books and you learn at your own pace. And well, there was a whole school like that, yeah. where you, the teachers just facilitated and you had to learn, <laughs> you had to teach yourself by just reading. And it just wasn't, it didn't work. <laughs> and, um, well, again, because it was American curriculum, I had to do all these entrance exams. And because I wasn't meeting the American curriculum, there was some stuff that I had to go right back to year seven. So for me to graduate year 10, which was a normal year 10, that's the year I was in, I'd have to make up four years of school in a year just to graduate year 10. Yeah. And that was just about, that wasn't on all subjects, but there were two or three subjects where I had to go from year seven through to year 10, where some of them were year eight or some of them were year nine. None of them were ever year 10. And you had to make up multiple years just to graduate. Oh, I just couldn't do that. Just, I don't think anyone could do that, to mm. be honest. Mm. And, um, yeah. I had a choice. Uh, I could either, at the end of the year, my parents said, well, we're going up to 
Derby, the Kimberley, you can either come with us and go to year, do year 11 and 12 there. And I went, no, I've had enough. I've been to too many schools. Yeah. You're kind of I tired just, of school. I was just tired of school. Changing. Tired. And, you know, again, that, that year at that school, because it took me out of the normal, uh, the normal, like state schools or whatever, just the normal Australian curriculum. It put it put it put put me behind again, you know. Mm. So I just went. Uh, so I I went to TAFE. I stayed in Perth and boarded with um, an uncle and auntie of mine, and went to TAFE. I did what's known as a pre apprenticeship. That's where you you spend a term, four terms, <coughs> and a term in. Uh, four different trades and at the end of it you kind of decide what decide you want to do mm-hmm. which trade you want to do so um yeah i did that for 12 months and then got an apprenticeship as a as a carpenter and that was up in derby at that, the, was, at the that was up in derby in right. the hospital derby yeah. sorry derby derby um so you mean you told the story about how you became a christian mm. years later after that mm. If we go back to that time, you said you had to move out of Kununurra because it did. wasn't wasn't a very <laughs> a helpful place to be in. No, where, what did where did you go and what what changed for you after like from that point <laughs> onwards, brother? <coughs> uh, well, when I became a Christian, one of the things that God said to me was, "I want you to go and formally study. I want you to study the Word." And I, I want you to go into ministry. And I went, okay. So we, um, my parents decided to contact the bishop, uh, and I won't name him, but the bishop at the time, and he recommended that I go to this place um, called, in, just to make it a bit more complicated, brother, Dolby. <laughs> D-A-L-B-Y Okay right? Not D-E-R-B-Y Dolby yep. And uh, it was a thing called Cornerstone I never heard of Cornerstone um, But anyway He recommended this place So um, A mate and I A mate And myself Left Kununurra, we travelled across Australia to Sydney, mm-hmm. went to the 1995 Big Day Out, <laughs> which is very important at yeah. the time. Who was the headliner there? Ministry. I don't even know who Ministry is. Mm. There, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't stay for that? No, I didn't <laughs> stay for that. I. <clears throat> yeah, they're pretty hardcore kind of... Yeah, they had a goat's head on their oh, on yeah. their microphone yeah. with the satanic symbol behind. Okay, there wasn't my kind of music. Yeah. Who did you go to? Um, see? Or Hole was playing. Okay. Um, oh, strike! There's a few different bands. I, I, I can't remember. That's a long time That's ago, right. brother. Well, you're, well, you're telling the story about Cornerstone. I'll look up the 1995 Big Day Out. Yeah, lineup. yeah, you do that. <laughs> um. <clears throat> so anyway. He, after the big after the big day out, he was driving back to Kununurra and he dropped me at Dolby at Cornerstone. And my mate, we'd rocked up to this, like a farm, and it had a couple of those Atco... Dongers. <laughs> Dongers, <laughs> which is where you slept, out the back, all right. right? And my mate's going, bro, are you sure this is 
where you want to be dropped off. Like, mm. you sure this is where you want to be? He, he didn't feel right about it. And I went, yeah, 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 this is, this is it, mate. This is where I'm supposed to be. He goes, all right. So he dropped me off and it quickly, uh, well, over, it, it didn't take long to find out that where I was dropped off was a cult. Okay. Of course you've got some stories. And um, and the reason I found that out pretty quickly was they basically isolated you from from the outside world. So you weren't allowed – there was no TV, you weren't allowed a radio, you weren't allowed to listen to the news, you weren't allowed to watch the news or any TV shows or anything like that. Uh, You were – in their words, set apart from the world, right? right. So they're using these biblical terms and mm-hmm. stuff like that. <clears throat> and so I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, and there was probably about a dozen of us out there and um, who were here to study the Bible. Um, you literally worked for a dollar a day a literal dollar a day and I think that comes down from the the biblical, uh, the biblical it's not a principle but remember that the denarii yep. the one denarii a day was your workers yep. wage mm-hmm. and so they would pay you a dollar so yeah. you would get seven dollars a week because yeah. you work seven days a week. You didn't really sound like they were taking to no, inflation was the and, Sabbath and, and all currency that too, exchanges so. into, into That's right. account. So you you filled up, and you worked. Mm. You um, filled up chaff bags in the day from this chaffing machine, and then the way that they made their money was they ran a pizza shop at night. So you'd go in. And you'd be making pizzas till whatever time at night. I was a delivery driver, so I used to flog around in their in their <laughs> delivery car. <laughs> and uh, and then you'd start your day over again. And you you work. I don't know how many. You were up really early. You had to. So there was no electric. The, the hot water. You had to light a fire and heat the water up so mm-hmm. you could use the water there was a cow that you had to milk every morning to get your own milk mm-hmm. um and there was just it was just really really dodgy you know it was like being taken right back mm-hmm. uh, to primitive primitive days uh, anyway i met a few guys there i don't know them now um I got to wear my New South Wales jersey though in Queensland, and that was hilarious. Walking down the main street of Dolby, me and this other guy is a similar height and size to me. Both of us in our blues jersey, walking down the main street. <laughs> the looks that we got was hilarious, and got a bit of abuse and stuff like that. Yep. That was a bit of fun. Um, but the, the, when I found when I, I got a little bit crook, and I I. Was, I didn't have a car or anything, and I, I went up to the people, the the people that ran the place. I said, oh, I need to go see a doctor. <clears throat> and they said, well, what's wrong with you? I said, no, I just need to go see a doctor. 
well, you need to tell us what your symptoms are. You need to tell us what's wrong with you. And then we will discuss it and decide whether or not you need to see a doctor. And I went, uh, excuse me? I said, I, I don't even talk to my parents about it. If I need to see a doctor, if I feel I need to see a doctor, I just go see a doctor. I don't tell anyone mm. what's going on. That's between me and the doctor. And I said, well, that's not, that's not how we do things here. And I said, well, see you later. <clears throat> I said, you guys are a cult. And I said, oh, I'm out. I said, I want a refund. I want a full refund. And um, I'm leaving tonight. I'm out of here. So that's when, uh, that's when all the venom came out. Um, you're turning your back on Jesus. You're not going to be forgiven this. You're going to end up in hell. God's going to condemn you and curse you and all these different things. And I'm like, there it is. There it is. Now the truth's really coming out, you know. You guys have got no idea. And um, <clears throat> so I went out, went around, I gathered everyone together. I told them exactly what had just happened and what the go was. And I said, I'm out. And um, and they, they half of them, more than half of the group left with me. It was just this mass exodus uh, out of there. Um, and I ended up, ended up um, in Armadale of all places uh, for a bit, and then I ended up in Wollongong, where I uh, nursed my grandfather until he died, and then um, I applied. F I was. At the church, the minister of the church said, why don't you apply for SMBC, City Mission Bible College? So I did and got into that and then started there in 96 and that's where I met Stu. Oh, right. 1996, SMBC. So there isn't going to be a documentary about the cult that you were in? No. Because <laughs> you actually managed to get out. Because a lot well, of those ones well, that people can't I, get I'll out of. Well, I'll tell you what freaked me out. It didn't freak me out. It got me angry. Um, while Because I stayed on campus. I stayed on uh, in the single men's quarters at SMBC. And one day the phone rang. And when someone answered, I said, Marty, there's a call for you. I went, right, yeah. <laughs> Which was unusual because uh, no one ever rang me. And... Um, so I went and I spoke on the, got on the phone. I said, yeah, it's Marty, who is it? And they said who it was. And it took me straight back there. Somehow, I don't know how, to this day I, don't, I still don't know how, Cornerstone indulged me, tracked me down and knew where I was and rang me and copped another mouthful saying I'd and I just went look I just fired up I said don't ever contact me again I don't know how you got this number I don't know how you know where I am but I never want you to contact me again and if you do I will have you charged for harassment and slam the phone down uh, and never heard from her again yeah. it was just really really unusual you know it had been 
over 12 months since I was there and they were still able to track me down, still had an interest. So I've just found it very strange yeah, right. and, and still do. I, I, it's just one of those mysteries I'll never have the answer to. Because your original intention was to go and study the Bible. Absolutely. Yeah, but then you finally got there to SMBC. That's Sydney, right. Sydney, it's Sydney Missionary Sydney Bible Mission College. Sydney Missionary Bible College, correct. Yep. Yep. And so you met Stu there. So what's, correct. So what's happening? Oh, by the way, I did find the Big Day Out lineup, 1995. Yes. Uh, ministry, like you said, was a headliner. Yep. Primal Scream. Yes. Hole. Yes. The Cult. Yes. The Offspring. Yes. Screaming Trees. Uh-huh. And uh, UMI, uh-huh. Silverchair, uh-huh. and they're, they're, I'm just mentioning the ones that I really know. But there's plenty of other ones. Spider, yeah. spider bait, spider were bait, way yeah, lower yeah, down the list. Right. So not not too bad a lineup. No, it wasn't a bad lineup at all. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I remember seeing UMI. I remember seeing Hole. Um, Offspring, sc- Offspring oh, would have been real big at that time. Yeah, I oh, see. I went to Screaming Trees. <coughs> okay, that was because that was they were the more Seattle. Band and I was more into that type of, you know, Nirvana and the grunge area. Grunge, grunge era. era, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. yeah. cool. So that that would have endeared you to Stu, being part of being interested in the grunge era as well. <laughs> Brother, have you not how heard how we met? No, <laughs> tell us the story. <coughs> story number five hundred and fifty-two. <laughs> well, I told you, man. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Stu, I always walk, came out of the dining room and uh, just heading up towards the library or wherever I was going, accommodation or whatever. And here's this bloke comes bounding down. I, I remember I was wearing uh, um, Australian uh, football jersey, uh, uh, ARU, rugby union jersey, yep. jeans. Yep. Um, I think I had a mullet <laughs> going, and I might have been wearing cherry red docks. Wow. Ten holes. It had to be ten. Ten holes. Wear, is wouldn't wear eight. Is ten for the where you put the shoelaces? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, ten yeah. holes. All right. Good. Yeah. And uh, this bloke came bounding down with a shaved head, uh, dyed green. <laughs> really? <laughs> Died green, okay. died green. And so I'm pretty much straight out of the Kimberley. Never <laughs> seen a guy <laughs> with dyed green hair before or anything like that. And he just came up and he goes, hey, man, my name's Stu. And uh, what's your name? Please meet you, whatever. And he, I just looked at him. I didn't even answer. <laughs> In his words, I just grunted at him <laughs> and then kept going. And uh, Stu goes, he tells me, he tells the story anyway. He says, yes, from that day, I knew I was going to make him my mate. <laughs> <laughs> and so the relationship began with him chasing me. And, uh Sounds pretty cute. It was cute. <laughs> uh, but that's when, yeah, that's when I met, because Tim, Tim Baldwin was at the time, um, and Stu, and that's, I also met Fee, now Fee Francesconi, yep. uh, at SNBC as well. Yeah, right. And they were telling me all about Soul Revival Church and uh, trying to get me into, you you got to come to Soul Revival Church. And I, I said, oh, man, I'm in a youth group. I'm running a youth group. I can't just drop that and come. Oh, okay. And they're like, yeah, you got to come. And I'm like, dude, 
What anyway, church were you going to at the time? Uh, St. Chad's at Putney. St. Chad's. At Putney. <laughs> okay. Do you know where that is? No, I know where Putney is. Yeah, yes. Putney. It's a nice little suburb, actually. Oh. It's just kind of just hidden away there. It's one of those little gems hidden away. Oh, very good. Near Ride. Anyway, it was a small church and they just, they wanted someone to run a youth group. There was mm. a school across the road and we just tapped into that and it's still running today as far as I know. Oh, that's cool. So that's... That was pretty cool. But I feel like um, you did eventually head over to, well, I mean, when Soul Revival was like going near, that's when they were hassling. Uh, yes, right. yeah, that's right. So, uh, 96, 97, 98, I was at SMBC, so I was still doing partner. And then 99, <coughs> I, um, well, I'd finished college at the end of 98, and 99 I moved over at Hurst, to Hurstville um, with some friends from college. They had We had a share house. And that's when I started coming to Soul Revival. So Guymere became my church. I used to go from Hurstville mm. or Bexley actually to to uh, Guymere every every weekend uh, for for Soul mm. Revival and, and for church. So I don't think we knew each other very well back then, but I still remember you always this big dude turning up in yeah, a yeah. Rabbitohs jersey. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah. So that's when I started going. That's when I got to to meet everyone and. Mm. Um, I think I think the fact that Stu and I are already friends was that that helped. Yep. It went a long way. So um, it's kind of like a, a trusted person straight away. If Stu trusts him and mates, then it's all good. So yeah, um, yeah. and being associated ever since. Pretty much. Pretty much. That's cool. And so, what um, if you if you like you've been to SMBC? Were you working at the time? Uh, no, full-time study. Just killing it. Killing yeah. it at the college. Yeah. Yeah, right. And then so what was your plans once you graduated from college? Did you wanted to go into ministry somewhere? I did. <clears throat> wanted to go into ministry somewhere. Um, what that looked like, I don't know. Um, and I actually ended up in Wingham. I don't know if you remember that. But in 2000, 2001, I ended up in a town called Wingham up near Taree. Oh, yeah. And I was there for two years. <clears throat> I, um, In fact, my mum was the one who found it. It was random. She called me over from Western Australia and she said, have you, found, have you seen this um, job advert in Wingham? And I said, yeah, I saw it, but it was preparing people to go to college. And I'd already been through college. That was the position. And I'm like, so I didn't apply. Like, oh, no, apply, apply. So, all right, I'll do just to make you happy, I'll apply. <laughs> so I applied for it, and I didn't think anything of it. And um, and then sometime down the track, I got a phone call uh, from the church, and they said, well, we've shortlisted you. And I went, what? I said, yeah, we've shortlisted you. Can you come up and... Um, for an interview I said yeah but I, I don't understand the role you, the role is to train someone up to prepare them for college they said yeah but everyone who's applied for it's already been in college <laughs> <laughs> and I went oh right yeah and so I went up there and interviewed and um, got the job clearly and um Left, left, and went up to William for two years, um, which was interesting. Prepared for college, or were you already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was. Uh, yeah, 
Oh no, I wasn't prepared for college. <laughs> uh, but that was a, that was an interesting time. That, that's in the Newcastle Diocese, which was that was an interesting place to work at the time. Mm. Um, we won't go too much into that, but. Um, but yeah. did you end up being kind of like a senior minister position? Is that what it ended up being, or is it? No, no, no. It was a, it was an assistant's role there. Okay. Um, and <coughs> yeah, so I I was doing a, an evening service, mm. uh, running a youth group, running youth hot youth drop in centre mm. uh, with another guy. Um, they doing scripture in two schools. ICF in the high school and a day a week they had me working in their op shop. <laughs> so it was uh it was pretty very it was very busy <laughs> and very varied. Yeah, it was varied, that's right. Uh but very busy. Um was the stuff that you like um being involved with Stu and Sorobo, did that help in terms of youth ministry especially and things like that? Uh it it did. Did um, it's always difficult to implement it, it's new diffi- ideas. It is difficult to implement new ideas, and especially if you haven't got um, people on your side. Yeah, or want to jump on board. With uh, that's right. Ideas. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that that they so that made it that was hard. Mm. Um, Stu and I were on the phone quite a bit during that time, and. Mm. Um, yeah, so that that was that was okay. Mm. I remember um, when did you do Year Twelve? Uh, I finished Year Twelve in two thousand four. Oh no, because <laughs> uh, Stu and that brought up Year Twelve group. They hadn't they've got the they were going to the on the bus at the time to the okay. Gold Coast, and yeah. they pulled in and oh, it would have been the Tarare. They were on schoolies. Yeah, on schoolies. Yeah, yeah right. there was a night they spent a night at Tarare or something. I went out there and. <laughs> at this caravan park and um, sat around this fire. And, uh, that was that was a good... Yeah, was, no. yeah. So you were only there for two years? In I was there for two years. What's, what's next after Wingham? Came back to Gaimere. Gosh, you've lived in a lot of places, but yep, came back to Gaimere. <laughs> yeah, came back to Gaimere. Uh, applied for different youth positions uh, around... Because, I mean, that's what I was into. Mm. Uh, youth positions around Sydney and... Um, it just didn't happen. Uh, so I ended up doing, uh, working, do security work. So in a secular job, uh, doing security uh, for three and a half years. And um, that was a bit interesting. Uh, <laughs> store security as well. Uh, so you're accusing people of stealing all the time. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> which is always fun. Yeah. And uh, you just, yeah. Anyway, three and a half years. And then uh, a friend of mine in Tasmania rang me up and said, hey, they're looking for ministers, people to come down to Tasmania to be ministers. Why don't you come down? Why don't you come down? Mm. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so he goes, yeah, other. yeah. He goes, yeah, come on. He, 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 so anyway, I contact, he goes, contact the bishop. So I did. And uh, he said, you sound like the type of person we want down here. So, um, but you need to come down and get involved in a church for 12 months. So I went, all righty, eh? And um, 
that was a massive commitment. So I gave up. I wasn't going to anything apart from a church. There was no job. There was nowhere. I didn't know where I was going to live or anything. Uh, I was still single, so you know, had that flexibility, and um, so I just did. Just gave up my job. Um, I was living with uh, Rob Robbie Jones and Greg Mackinder yeah. at the time in Grada, where Robbie and Kate live now. Who's living in that house? And uh, went down to Tasmania and got involved in a church for twelve months. And um, at the end of the twelve months, I sat through uh, six hours of interviews. Uh, and after that, they decided not to put me on. Oh gosh! And I'm after like, that twelve months after that, and I'm like, and all this time they're saying, yeah, 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 we want you. You're gonna, you, you know, we want you, we want you, we want you. And then they decided not to. And I went, okay. Uh, well, thanks for that. Um, what, 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 packed up my packed up my stuff and left. What do you think God's like doing in your life right now? Because he seems to speak to you at, at really um, important moments. Is he? Yeah, I, um, you try to take life lessons out of everything and you try to work out what God's trying to teach you in all these places to be honest, I don't know. Like, I don't know if should I have even gone down there for 12 months. I think my 12 months time down there was just to help my mate get alongside of him. He was really struggling. And I think his cry out was not so much for me to come down and be ordained. I think it was for me to come down and support him in his church. Um, that's, what I, that's what I took, took out of it. Um... Oh, yeah. I think um, I think just I don't know. I've always listened out and always been looking to what God wants me to do and where He wants me to go, and being sensitive to that. I, I just think that's one of those. I don't know. I've just I just. I've always felt sensitive to God like that. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's taken me to some interesting places and yeah. putting me, put me into some interesting situations. But it's always been for a purpose. It's not for nothing. And it's not just for a life lesson either. It's, it's been more than that. But I've certainly grown through it. And you're doing, <clears throat> it's not really just for you. He's like working through you. Absolutely. To, oh, absolutely. to make his will happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, so what about your family? So you've got your wife, Fiona, and then. Yeah. So, and then so we've been married 15 years. Yeah. Uh, got a son and a daughter. <laughs> um, so when did you get together? Hang on. When did you and Fee get together? Uh, well, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have green hair this time? <laughs> no, he didn't have green hair. Uh, it actually, it wasn't long after I came back from 
from um, Tasmania because yeah. I went from Tasmania to Southwest Rocks. And I lived in Southwest Rocks for about six months. And it was when I was living there, I got a phone call from Stu saying, man, I've got someone I want you to meet on the phone. And I said, oh, all right, yeah. He goes, yeah, I don't normally do stuff like this. I don't, <laughs> I don't uh, set up people or anything like that. But when I'm talking to this girl, it's like I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, is that a good thing? Uh, but anyway, so he goes, just, just talk to her. <laughs> and, um, and it was actually on Fee's birthday. Fee was at Stu and Lou's place for, for dinner. And, um, and so he just put her on. And, and I just went, hello? <laughs> <laughs> and she went, hello? <laughs> and, um, and I said, oh, I think Stu wants us to get to know each other, eh? And she goes, yeah, I think I, she gets the same idea. And, and it was really strange because as soon as I heard her voice, you make of this what you will, but as soon as I heard her voice, God said to me, this is a woman you're going to marry. Hmm. I went, oh, okay. Uh, and so it, I just knew from, yeah. from the moment it was, you know, that whole song from it. Can't remember the name of it, but as soon as she said hello, you know, and uh, I just knew that that's who I was going to marry. And uh, so, yeah, we spoke. We didn't see each other for six weeks. We spoke on the phone, and then Fee came up to Southwest Rocks, and we met. And um, six months later, we were married. Wow, that happened quick. It happened quick. Mm. Uh, you know, I was. What was I? It was 2007, I was 36, and Fee's four years younger than me. So if you don't know what you want at 36, then <laughs> yeah, there's no time to muck around. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, um, yeah. Yeah, right. And you've got two kids. Two kids. Saying. Yeah, mm. Zach's our oldest. He's 13, mm -hmm. and um, Adeline is 11. Mm. What do you reckon that? I like to always ask this question to people that are parents. What do you think God teaches you become, through come, becoming a parent? Because I love these answers. <laughs> um, patience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> patience. Mm. Uh, you learn a lot about yourself. Mm. Um, as I said, I um, grew up in a violent in a, violent, in a violent background and so it was very conscious of how I was going to discipline my kids if I'm not going to and it's you know just how am I going to do that and what am I going to be like my background was always in the forefront of my mind and yeah. the way I responded to things and um so to this day still you know it's it's still there there are times there zach's a teenager and he's testing boundaries as a teenager and and um it's still there it's still got to keep myself in check yeah. and how do i how do i deal with my son and 
talk through these things and at the same time he's this consequences for his actions or yep. whatever and so how do you discipline in that and um so it's it's working out different ways meaningful for him as well he's got to know that what they've done is wrong it doesn't matter if it's my son or my daughter what they've done is wrong and there has to be consequences for that be it you know time out or your device is gone from you for a week or a day or how what it depending on what it was um just things like that mm. and i think god like uses so many different situations to reveal where our sin is as well oh absolutely and, and like like you like that happens even when you get married it reveals how selfish oh, you are and then you absolutely. have kids wait till you have kids right and then oh, it, it, it's it, next level that's next level <laughs> yeah um and it's humbling yep it really is humbling um it's it's something i i've i put into practice it's a and it's a biblical thing it's a godly thing to do is uh, I, I confess my sins daily mm. um multiple times sometimes in a day yeah. and even after i've confessed them I go and do something and or say something stupid and I'm like, oh, just and you yeah. and it doesn't become a burden. It's not a work thing I'm saying there. What I'm saying is it's as you've just mentioned, it's highlighting the more the more you confess and you humble yourself before God, the more you appreciate, understand and honor the cross mm. and what Jesus has done. Mm. And that your salvation is not dependent upon you. Because if my salvation was dependent upon me, I'd never be saved. <laughs> yeah, that's I right. Just, <laughs> I just wouldn't be saved. Yeah. I'd be, you know. And I, I, I just recognize that each day. Mm. I mean, like, I, I can't remember exactly where it is in the New Testament. It talks about bringing your sin into the light is when you can actually allow the spirit to change you absolutely and as you confess that and i think that's also a really important thing as being as a parent is showing that you aren't because your children look up to you so much mm. you aren't the picture of perfection jesus is mm. so you can use the cross as you're saying as an yeah. example for when i do sin that I need to confess, whether it's against, even, you know, you get upset at your kids or something. Like, yeah. that's something that I try really hard to do is, with my kids, is no matter what I've done, I come back and go, I'm sorry I behaved like that. I shouldn't yeah. have done that. This is this is on me, not not you guys as well, yeah. like, to a, to a large degree. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I do exactly the same. Like, if, if I've lost it too much, mm. then I, I will go, look, and I'll, I'll go to my son or my daughter and I'll say, look, you know, I shouldn't have spoken yeah. as harshly uh, as I did. I said, what you did, I'm not excusing you, but the way I responded was yeah. not yeah. in a godly way. Yeah, I do the and same. And so they still understand what they've done is wrong, mm. but I'm also, I'm learning, 
and try and teach them how to respond in a more godly way. I think in the um, the beautiful yeah. part of that is that how quickly your kids do forgive you when you do do mm, that as well. Absolutely. They just go, that's okay. Yeah, they do. Mine do. They go, that's okay. <laughs> that's <And> right. <laughs> one, yeah, but exactly. we, as adults, we're like still holding on to what yeah, we've done, <laughs> you know? Yeah, we're not yeah, forgiving ourselves. Right. Like yeah, we're not just right. like letting God to take, to know that God has dealt with that. Yeah, that's right. And so, But like our children are helping us to see that God has dealt yeah, with that right. by the way that they do. So mm. yeah, it's... it's it's lovely. And, and again, God revealing his power and his might in all different situations in our, in our lives. Absolutely. Is, it's one of the best parts about being a Christian, I think, is just seeing him in every single facet of our lives. Yeah, like I that. agree. Um, just before I ask the final question, bring us up to the present. Yeah. What's, um, what are you doing these days and, and where, where do you see God taking you from now? Well... Uh, over the last, I've been. I work for Anglicare, okay. <clears throat> so I'm with a. Cha- I'm a chaplain with Anglicare. I've been with them uh, six years now. Um, for majority of that time, I was working in aged care, um, but in the last month, and it's only been a month, um, in prisons. So oh, right. okay. I work at Long Bay as a chaplain. As a chaplain, mm-hmm. I work at uh, uh, Long Bay. Mm. Yeah. Jeez, that must be correctional centre. Yeah, right. What's it like being a chaplain? Not just, I mean, uh, you might not be able to reveal much about working in the in the in prison ministry. Yeah, but even in aged care, what's it like being a chaplain? Do you really like it? Uh, I do. I. <laughs> it's not something I thought I would go into. In fact, the day I started, I was praying to God on the way to work. I said, "Lord, you got to give me a pastor's heart for." Uh, for these people, these elderly people. I said, look, because I don't think I, I knew I didn't have the patience within me to sit and listen to people's ailments and problems and all that. So I just didn't. And um, <clears throat> so I, that's one of the things I pray for. I pray for a pastor's heart um, for them. And he gave it to me. Uh, the moment I walked in the door, um, there was this little old lady sitting in the foyer in a in a chair and she um i was introduced to her as the new chaplain mm-hmm. and she put her hand out she put her hand left hand i'm sorry put out her hand to me and she was non-verbal she couldn't speak um and then i she took my hand and she just gently held it and then kissed my hand welcomed me to the home and straight away I could feel my heart just melt <laughs> and from then on I couldn't listen to people's ailments to the cows come home it does it just doesn't bother me yeah, yeah. and God just really gave me a heart for the people and um uh I, I, I loved working in aged care um one of the things that you you get to appreciate and understand is that every single person has a story. I mean, you're listening to part of my story today, yeah. um, but everyone has that. And these guys, especially ones I was talking to, have lived through history. You know what I mean? These guys are born either around World War One or just after World War One, and they've lived through all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and just to talk to them and hear their stories was was just fascinating and uh it gave me a, a greater appreciation um uh, for 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 elderly people like it just did um and god really blessed the ministry as well um so i, I saw so many people so many people become christians yeah. um you know and it was it was a blessing um I think the oldest the oldest person that came became a christian was 99 <laughs> uh 99 and he's still going he's 101 this year and he he keeps going he said to me marty why how come it took so long for me to get to know jesus i said don't worry about that brother the fact is you know him he knows you now doesn't matter that you're 99 <laughs> it just shows me you know and um but he's he's he it just the gospel just transformed him he goes mate i thought i was living life he goes but i only just started living life at 99 and I'm, he's just amazing um yeah i miss that guy but, uh, <laughs> but um but yeah i can there's so many stories like that mm. so there's lots of good things but i never really i wasn't prepared for you know i'm working in aged care facilities i wasn't really prepared for death and the amount of death um and i've seen a lot of death uh in the last five and a half years or so and that takes its toll um especially especially when you've got your model of ministry that is being shown and taught to you and modeled to you by stew where it's your whole life you just throw your whole being into it and that's what i did and i just didn't see people as numbers and all that it was a friendship you know mm. and so you build relationships and and then the hard thing about that is it's your friends who are dying you know and then you got to do your friend's funeral and when you're doing you know when you're seeing all your friends dying and you're doing all your friends funerals it just uh it takes a toll yeah and um and it was time I, I was ready to move on when this position came up uh for long bay mm -hmm. and i was uh, asked to apply for it um and so i did and um was successful yeah. so have been working at long bay now for 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 a month yeah right well probably then you can have the same effect as you did with it. Like well, hopefully this yeah, will, you know, God has the same effect and a lot of people become Christians there. Yeah, that, that'd be great. Uh, that, that I'm, I, I am excited to see what God's going to do. Um, everyone is, everyone I've said, oh, I'm going to go to Long Bay, going to go to prison. Oh, you're going to be so good at that and this and that. I'm like, well, you, you clearly know something more than I do because <laughs> I've got no idea, you know. Again, um, because of the particularly what was another the same prayer I prayed for a pastor's heart I did the same for this you know and he God's given me that um, there's 
an interesting array of offenders in there and you know are working maximum security mm. so these guys have done some pretty horrendous stuff and um, um, it's interesting that, that God's kind of given me like a neutrality so what I mean by that is there's no anger, there's no, not bitterness or anything, you know, when they tell you what they've done or whatever, you just feel neutral. You, I, I don't, there's no real great deal of compassion and love and empathy, but there's no, no hatred and anger or anything. It's just yeah. this, and I think that's a right, way at the moment on that's what i'm thinking it's what i need at the moment certainly to to be introduced and and to start this role is to feel this neutrality because you can't some of the things that are done are horrendous and you can't condone it right but i'm not there to condemn because they're already in there they've been judged by a judge. a judge and a jury, <laughs> yeah. or they're waiting to go to <coughs> court or whatever. Um, they've been caught, uh, and there's very little support in that sense in the jail. And um, as a chaplain, that's what you're there for. You're there as in to be an ear, basically. Yeah. Someone, someone that they can. They know you're not going to be judged by them, someone that you can journey with them. But at the same time, you can't just believe everything that's said and just, you, there's a lot of wisdom needed, which I'm discovering. And um, that's something that's prayed for, I pray for every day, all the chaplains um, pray for that every day, for, for wisdom. Um, I pray on the armor of God, Every day I find that uh, important um, because it's a. I mean, we're in a spiritual battle, as Paul says in Ephesians six. We're in a spiritual battle. It's not against flesh and blood, and uh, ministry you're at the forefront of that battle. But in prison, you seems even more so. Right. Like it's it's really in your face, and um, yeah, so. That's what I, I pray for every day. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, it would would take a lot of prayer, mm. and a lot of relying on God in those kind of situations. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the final question. Yeah. Uh, looking back over your life, which we have done. Yeah. What do you wish you knew when you were a younger Christian that you you do know now? That's slightly different to the question you said at the start, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Because um, I had an answer. Well, tell me your answer and then... I suppose for me, there is nothing and no sin that you can do or commit that Christ's death on the cross and his blood shed cannot forgive mm. and wash away. 
think we, you alluded to it before, we carry guilt. A lot of us carry guilt. Not all, like some of us more so than others. And and it might only be for a short period of time, as you said, you know, if we carry on with this guilt of the way we spoke to our kids or whatever when they've already moved on. But that's where Jesus' death is sufficient, not just to forgive our sins, but to take our guilt away as well. And we can be really, um, and we do it ourselves. We cripple ourselves with our own guilt because we don't, we don't tend to hold on to the promises that God makes within His Word. So. For example, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful, He is just, He forgives you your sins, and purifies you from all unrighteousness. Mm. That's a promise. And I don't think we hold on to those promises very well. I think we hear them sometimes. But sometimes I think I feel like as Christians we need to punish ourselves more than what God really wants for us to be punished. He do, it, Jesus has taken that punishment. But sometimes I think we feel like that we should feel guilty. I should feel guilty for what I've done yeah, and I I've need to, I need to carry yeah. that guilt for a while but we're no longer bondage to sin we're slaves to Christ mm. and I and that's one of the things I pray when I when I do confess because that's what verse 8 says if we say that we're without sin we deceive ourselves, and the truth isn't in us but if we confess our sins right so it is something that I do on a daily basis and it is one of these things that I do as well is I claim God's forgiveness. I hold on to that promise. I remind him of that promise and I think that's a biblical thing. You read through all the Psalms and it's and all the Psalmists, David or whoever's writing the Psalm is reminding God of who God is, what he had done and the promises that he made to God's people. And these are promises in Scripture that He has made to us. And it's not a wrong thing and a bad thing to remind Him of that. I think that's a biblical principle. And it acknowledges who He is and who we are, the Creator and the creature. That Christ's death on the cross is sufficient to cover everything that I've ever done. And that's freeing. Mm. I agree. And um, that's what I would want to know. Yeah, You've, and yeah, and you, and I think, like you're saying, we need to be constantly reminded of that. Absolutely, because mm. we drag it on. We do ourselves rather than listening to God and saying, "No, I'm, I've dealt with it." Yeah, we do. Mm. Well, yeah. I think it's a fantastic way to finish the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on, Marty. It's been an absolute pleasure having you well, on. Thank you for having me, Joel. It's no. 
been wonderful, mate. That's great. Well, all the stories, fantastic. <laughs> I, none, none of which I've heard before, which is <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. And um, and I think it's been really encouraging as well to hear how God has been working on you all your life and like, backing up what you just said there. Of He's continually reminding you, absolutely, isn't He? Yeah. Um, and I just I don't know I find that what you've said across all of your like looking back at all your life I find it really encouraging that I love hearing the stories of other people including yourself and hearing how God is working on them in all mm. different ways so thank you very much for your time today thank you for having me and thank you for everyone listening or, and or watching we really appreciate it thanks also to producer Dave who works tirelessly behind the scenes to make uh, these podcasts happen and uh, Marty we always like to finish with a one way Would you, are you happy to join me in a one way absolutely right. one way, one way. One way.